This is Andy. Welcome back to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is episode number 22. And in episode 21, I introduced you to Tracy Shields, the regional sales manager for baseline control systems in the Colorado Rockies and the Pacific Northwest. And we talked about cities, counties, municipalities, public agencies, and working with those types of organizations. And in this episode, I'm going to replay a Tech Talk Tuesday episode that was recorded about a month ago with Tracy. And we're going to get into more technical details on retrofitting large sites, large municipal park sites that have either lots of water sources and a couple controllers or lots of controllers and a couple water sources. So this one's going to get a little technical. And if you'd like to actually watch the webinar, you can go to Baseline's web training portal on YouTube. So you'd go to YouTube, search for Baseline web training, and you can actually watch this live webinar and see the PowerPoint and see the pictures to bring it together perhaps a little bit better. So not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into this episode of Baseline Tech Talk Tuesday, retrofitting large sites. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. All right, well, it's officially one o'clock, so maybe we should... Uh, kick this off today guys what do you think are you ready rock and roll so i'm going to get us started today joining us we have tracy shields he's the rsm living in colorado that covers much of the midwest and some of the pacific northwest states we've got dan conger training manager chris wright vp of sales myself andy humphrey rsm for the northeast today we're going to be discussing large retrofit sites And we've got Tracy joining us because he has a lot of experience in the Colorado and Great Plains Midwest states retrofitting a lot of very large sites. Some are simple, some are complicated. And so today, Dan and Tracy are going to take us and run. And I think with that, Dan, I'll just turn it over to you and you can take us from the top. The concept for today was we wanted to be able to show some of the possibilities with the different tools in the baseline toolbox, right? Because we have lots of capabilities, lots of options, and you're not going to use each product the same way each time. Each time you might use it a a different configuration. You might not need this component and need it completely different. So Tracy has three different sites he's going to show us. So with that, Tracy, let's uh, bring up your screen and you can share some of the stuff you had prepared for us. Yeah, Dan. So uh, this this first site is in Eaton, Colorado. It's Eaton Rec Center. So it's a baseball, softball, soccer complex, along with some workout facilities and uh-huh. and things like that inside. And when Josh called us on this project, um, he originally came into this project and had two two wire controllers, of which I think each controller had somewhere between seventy and eighty five zones on each controller and at one pump. So we had this complex issue of dealing with flow, having to figure out how we were gonna schedule things all the time. Having these two controllers overlap each other as they mixed use between baseball, softball, soccer, and, and regular landscape around the site. 
So yeah, let's break that down for a second. So two controllers side by side, same water source. So what's happening is controller one or controller A is asking for demand and it may be walking over controller two, pulling from that same main line. And then what's that end result? It's not pretty, is it? Right. It, it just requires for a whole lot of manual forethought and, and complex scheduling to make sure that one controller is not robbing the hydraulics of the other controller while it's running, which in turn creates some distribution uniformity issues. And mm, Right. Yeah. What, what's the design flow of that uh, pump station? Uh, on that pump station, I am not 100% sure off the top of my head, but I, it's under 200 gallons, 150 to 180 gallons per minute, most likely. A lot of area to water with uh, yes. that size volume. Yeah, so our solution, this is really quite uh, a simple solution. So our solution on this site was to simply install a base station 3200, which would allow us to take in all of the zones from both controllers since the 3200 will do 200 zones. And now we put this site into a way more simplistic ratio for flow. So we've got one controller to one water source. One of the key things that the reason that you could do that was, is they had fewer than 200 zones, which is the, the zone count capacity, the capability of the base station 3200. So anything under 200 zones, they, they, it was going to be really easy to pull it into one. And I got to imagine were those two controllers right next to each other. They were, they were side by side. So wiring was probably a slam dunk. Yeah. We just brought two, two wire paths together into one enclosure into the pedestal and we're up and run pretty quickly. So we'll talk about the flow management in, in just a moment, but that certainly had to, to simplify their, their scheduling, right? Yeah. So you, had, uh, you were able to take down to one water source, so you, no longer are you having to manually guess what can run. We could put this controller into flow manage and prioritize uh, athletics over regular landscape and even prioritize baseball over soccer if we wanted to. So, nice. so Tracy, were there, was there existing schedule something like controller A runs on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and controller B runs on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday? Or they somewhat they did have some overlapping days with the sports turf. This slide's not really representative of the quality out there now that the baseline has been out there for probably around 24 months now. And and with Josh out there, he's all these fields are logoed and and uh, prime condition. So he's taken this place quite a ways. When we spoke earlier, you had mentioned the priority over the playing surfaces, right? So we got the four ball fields and the sports turf. So that park, is it a park or a school that's adjacent to it, that park adjacent to it, if they took priority over the ball fields, that's probably why the park is, um, how should we put it, less than optimal. Doesn't look, too, doesn't look great in this, in this picture. Yeah. So they're, they're making, they're, we're making turf quality choices based off of their watering ca- capabilities. Right. So I think it's, it's a good time to just kind of briefly mention the capabilities of the base station 3200. The key thing here is that the controller can handle 200 zones. So we were able to, you were able to pull in those under 200 zones into a single controller. That was wonderful. And then those eight water sources. So we're only doing one water source right now, but the controller can do another seven water sources. So, so definitely we're just barely scratching the surface of what this controller can do, but it was plenty, right? It solved their problem. And that's, that was the main thing, right? Is they had this issue and, and you solved it. Let's take a look at this next site, which is uh, quite a bit more complex. So this is a park uh, in a suburb of uh, Denver, Colorado in the city of Westminster. 
Um, this is their city park. And this is an old Maxicom site that had uh, 17 controller locations independent of each other and one pump station. So 17 controllers and one water source. What? Time out. Time out. Wait, we had two controllers and one water source. That's an issue. Now I've got 17 controllers and one water source. That got exponentially worse, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, so it presents some, some serious issues with scheduling flow, right? Where the old system could potentially handle all of this flow, but is very cumbersome in, in programming and scheduling. Oh, um, yeah. It takes a lot of work um, to do this site. I believe uh, they ended up leaving in somewhat of a standalone mode. So they were actually managing 17 independent controllers just to irrigate this one facility. Yeah, you don't even have 17 days a week, so you can't even say controller one is Monday, controller two is Tuesday. You don't have that option. That's Any water manager knows that's a, that's a brutal situation to be in. It's a full-time job for a person to manage that. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, so our solution here, Dan, was to break things down into sections. We needed to stay under 200 zones per controller, so we introduced three 3200 controllers. And then we introduced some of our uh, 5200 PCK powered bicoders. And the way we did that was we grouped things. So in this yellow grouping, uh, we had our 3200 and we had an existing two-wire communication path between controllers. So we were able to use the 5200 PCK boards to replace controllers. So we just extended the terminal strips out along a two-wire path that existed. And Tracy, that existing wire, that comes from the old Maxicom infrastructure? It did, yes. When we were talking earlier, it's like, how did, how did they know to, to, that they could use that Maxicom wire? Where, where'd that idea come from? So that, that just went back to some experience that I've had in the industry. I've been out in the field doing central control for you know, somewhere around 20 years of my career now, and just knowing how our technology works and, and being able to See what, their, see what their problems are, and then find a bundled solution to come back and present the most economical way to retrofit the site. So that just came from knowing what was going on in the field and being able to make a recommendation to the customer that, hey, let's do this. Wonderful. So in, That's great. And a good number of those sites, Dan, um, the original Rainbird pedestals are still there. So we took the faceplate and the terminal strips out, and you used the, the transformer that was existing and just laid our 5200-powered uh, bicoder into the top of the pedestal. So left I'm the stainless sure steel uh, pedestal. I'm sure there's somebody that's online watching this asking them question, what the hell is a PCK board? <laughs> Coming up, I'll, I'll give you a preview of the PCK board. So here is an example of a powered bicoder, or a, which is a version of a PCK board. It's how we address conventional wire out in the field. And so what Tracy did is he brought two wire into this and then was able to connect to the existing conventional wire that was out there. Yeah. So that if you hold that up one more time, Dan, for those that can see, there's a red and black indicator on the right-hand side of our screen looking at you. That's the two-wire connection. So that device is a two-wire device. You could call it a conversion. It converts conventionally wired valves into a two-wire addressable terminal. Which is why it's called a PCK pedestal conversion kit. I didn't know that. Yeah, see? I just I learned, yeah. I learned something today. Good to have me out. 
<laughs> Thank you for all you do. <laughs> so you so did it. The, the yellow grouping was connect, it was essentially yellow grouping was all connected with wire back to that base station 3200, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. And then so the next section group. here on the right, um, the purple section, we'll call it, we put in a 3200 and utilized the existing two wire path of communication and brought these controllers on to one 3200. So we now had two 3200 controllers okay. on the site. And then we've got this one in the center of the map here the green controller, and we had some two-wire communication path integrity issues here. So we were unable to use that leg of the two-wire path. So we popped in a, a 3200 that here will end up connecting with a substation just a little bit off-site in the upper left-hand corner of this project. So we ended up with three 3200s down to one pump station now. So, so that means if it's three 3200, base station 3200s, and each one could have a maximum of 200 zones, this grouping has to be under 600 zones, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, so now you've got it down to three controllers from 17, which is outstanding, right? It makes management so much easier, but we still have that same challenge of multiple controllers and one water source. How mm -hmm. do you address that? So that's when we in introduced the flow station. So the flow station allows us to manage multiple controllers across multiple main lines. Okay. So that allowed us to, to introduce this flow station. And now the flow station um, simply becomes the boss of all things flow. Tracy, how were, uh, so controllers yellow, green, and purple, how were those communicating to the flow station Ooh. or to each other? Yeah, so we brought them in through Ethernet radio network uh, cool. and, and cellular technology. Cool create a local area network. Yes. So we, we brought up, so let's briefly talk about the flow station, right? So this is a, as Tracy alluded to, it's a flow manager, flow management controller that the programming still sitting on the base station 3200. So the water windows, the flow, all the programming and the time resides there, but this is only, or not only, but it's managing everything related to flow. Now, the flow station is far more capable than we have in this scenario. So we can get into really complex situations with up to 20 water sources and 40 main lines. So you didn't have that on this site, but still it was able to manage that flow. So if the green controller had a high demand that couldn't be met, it would know the flow station would know how much it could allocate out to it. Yep. And then you, you also mentioned that you used a radio network for, for the flow station. What were the other choices that you had on flow station for communication methods? Uh, we could have used uh, cellular modem or Wi-Fi. So the, the, other, the other thing that we brought up in this section was the power bicoders or, the, or the, P, the 5200 boards. There's a couple of different names for it because we have lots of different configurations, lots of different ways this can fit together. But the, the short of it is this is how we can update your conventional wire in the field to two-wire technology back on the controller, right? So leave that wire in the ground, but still have two-wire technology on the board all the way up to 48 zone groupings until you need a second cabinet. But this is why we have those different names, right? Is it can fit in our cabinet, it can fit in our controller, but as you did on your site, you could retrofit them into their pedestal. So all sorts of different configurations, um, you know, maybe, maybe we've got one of these that's mounting 
into your metal mm-hmm. cabinet. Maybe it's just this board connecting out of the controller. So. Yeah, Dan, if you think back probably four weeks now, maybe even five, when we were talking about the Boston Public Garden and, the, and that retrofit, and if you remember the, mm-hmm. the illustration, the picture where we put a, a hundred and. 44 zones, I believe, in a stainless steel, which is just those boards stacked on top of each other. Wow. With a few extra transformers. That stacks. So (laughs) this is probably a good time to remind you, if you got any questions, throw them in the the Q&A. We'll we'll make sure we answer them before we uh, wrap up today. Well, let's talk about one more site here, Dan. So this next site is project down in Colorado Springs. It's uh, an old Rainmaster Eagle site and presented some, some issues for us. We had 11 controllers, five water sources. So you see the groupings of yellow squares, those represent our controllers. So we've got a couple groupings there where we've got four controllers onto one main line. Wow, and, and are they really right next to each other like that? Yes, so they're all, those groupings of four were actually stacked into the double-sided strong box. So there's two controllers on both sides back to back. So four controllers in a single box. And, and uh, if you hold to the end here, we'll show you some uh, serious irrigation eye candy uh, <laughs> images. <laughs> so they, they had separate water sources and separate main lines. But if you gave me a choice to go out and program the controllers, I'd pick the ones on the right side of the screen and not the ones on the left side of the screen because those with the, with the quads, that had to be just yeah. almost as bad. Yeah, serious chore to have to program that. Yeah. Um, seriously complex thought processes, probably spreadsheets, lots and lots of notebook paper and trial and error uh, yeah. to get things to work correctly. So our solution here was to come in and we installed a, a brand new 3200 up there in the upper right corner of the image. Uh-huh. Um, that was a brand new area of landscape that was getting added into this section of the neighborhood. So this is just a small section of this neighborhood too. So it nowhere all inclusive to this neighborhood, but this was the project and the, the solution for this parkway in the neighborhood. So that 3200 came in and then out at the quad plexus of those four controllers, we put in substations. So each one of those four plexes got a single substation and then they got three 5200 PCK powered by coders and then about the center of the map on top was just a single substation in a pedestal there uh, so we were able to broadcast out with ethernet radio and communicate with those substations and then we used a piece of two wire to connect to the 5200 boards so then to clarify then we've got you've got you went from what it was 11 controllers yeah 11 controllers you got it down to one so it's under 200 zones on this whole, this entire, everything we see on the screen. Yeah. So we got, got to, wow, okay, there's, that's a wonderful thing, one controller. But then you brought in multiple water sources, so we'll have to take a look at that in a second. So then you mentioned that that base station 3200 needs to communicate with the substation. And, and how was that again? So that was through Ethernet radio. Okay, so you used a wireless... wireless wireless solution. Okay. And then in the cases where we had those powered by coders or the 5200s, they appear to be right next to the controller and you used a short piece of wire there? Yeah, short piece of two wire to connect those boards back to the substation. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. One controller and 
two different types of performance components to pull them all together. Yeah. 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 And all the while accommodating five water sources or four water sources. Four, five, yeah. five and four. Right yeah, corner. I think it's five. Right. Five hundred. So okay. Well then so we we this is this kind of comes back to the base station thirty two hundred capability. i earlier I'd mentioned it can handle eight water sources. Well now one base station thirty two hundred is handling five water sources. Still could add in more complexity and it could still handle it on one single controller. So we haven't heard about the substation yet, so let's I'll, I'll bring that up. So the substation is that extension arm of a base station 3200, right? We're bringing in sensors and zones and master valves all back into the base station 3200, which is the controller. This is an extension. We have the capability of adding up to eight substations onto one network of a 3200, and we can get up to 100 zones on each one, but here was the critical thing is, is you had it under 200 zones in this grouping, right? That was critical. Yeah. If it, it, when it exceeds 200 zones, we're going to need, you're going to use another controller. Another uh, here, so anytime you're under 200 zones, this is, this is a great way. You, as Chris, as Chris brought up, right? You used a substation to do a wireless extension and not trench wire and used wire where you could, cause it was cheaper and easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so let's take a look at what this site uh, looked like, kind of a, a before and after. Um, so this was one side of, on the left here, one side of a, of a quadplex, right? So the backside of this enclosure uh, included two more controllers that looked really similar to this. And uh, the wiring that went into that thing, and then the upgraded version of that is on the right-hand side. I, I think I'm going to be a little sick to my stomach. That on the left is pretty, pretty awful. <laughs> pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the two guys, we'll see, we'll, we'll look at one more picture here, but the two guys that wired this and set this up really deserve a lot of credit. Who, Spencer who? Jordan at DBC and Bob Wilshire with the developer um, out there at Wolf Ranch spent a lot of time in agonizingly separating all of this wire and bringing it all back into uh, something that ended up looking like this inside of the cabinets. That is just beautiful. Nice. That is just yeah. beautiful. Isn't that amazing? That's, yeah. yeah. We, we need more of that in our life, don't we? Yeah. Back, sure back up the slide. Makes Would it a back, lot of fun. Yeah. Would you back up one? I had a question for you. Sure. More of this and less of that. Now, on this, yeah. the, the controller on the right with the two substations, I just, this is the first time I noticed that dark gray. Is that some sort of a channeling or for yeah, routing wire? Yeah. Some uh, Panduit um, wire channel, um, so it's got a plastic cover over it, and so you got the substation up on the top and the 5200 uh, X cabinet uh, right below it, and then you've got a mirror of this on the back side because this is a double-sided opening strongbox, so it looks like this on both sides. Wow. Okay. And then this is all communicating back to a single base station 3200. Correct. What was their, their final zone count for that base station 3200? Was it right at 200? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not quite sure. We were pushing, we're pushing right up to 200 zones. I think it's uh, well into the 190s. You're trying to figure out how to get the last, do hydraulically, yeah, do really tight, need this. Tight. Yeah, very tight. Been, been there before, yeah. Awesome, that's great. So shout out to those installers. That's, that's beautiful and, and uh, great great way to bring those those products together and kind of make them all make them all stick all right mr wright got any any questions for tracy or for us 
We do. Um, kind of uh, back to the single water source where we've got uh, 3,200 in a substation configuration. The question is, how does the run-soak cycle operate with the multiple components? And you have to calculate the start times at each base station to take in account the soak times. I think this might be a couple of us answering this one. Andy, I've got an answer. I want to see, Andy, what your well, answer is. Well, the thing that I would point out, if it's not already sort of assumed, but the substation, those become zones of the controller. Okay, so if you have 24 zones in your 3200, you have 24 zones in your substation, you now have 48 zones on your controller. So the way you want to think of it is now I have a 48 zone system. How do I want to program this 48 zone system? And the way that either the wired connection to the PCK board or wireless to the substation works, is it's all real time. So you could have a zone running on the substation or the PCK board and a zone running on the controller at the same time, but the controller just considers those sub-zones as zones of the controller, and they, the soak cycle works just as if they were all on board on one controller. Correct. Exactly yeah. where I was going with it, yeah. Yeah, so the substation's just an extension of the operating power of the 3200. Yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't know if it's, if it's connected to a substation or if it's connected to a powered bicoder or if it's connected right to the board. Yep, right. they're just remote zones of the controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question is how many zones can uh, this run concurrently? With the each transformer, you can run on two wire. You can run 15 zones concurrently if you've got enough water to facilitate that. So if you've got base station 3200 and a substation, you would be able to run 15 zones at a time on each component. So that's 30 zones at one time. So the 3200 can operate up to 99 zones concurrently um, in its programming. However, we're limited to 15 solenoids per transformer per performance component Mm -hmm. or controller. And I I think this may add one layer of complexity, but on the retrofit boards, those boards can only output, I believe it's two, two zones per terminal board. So on a 48 zone controller, you could run eight, right? Two per 12, I think. Correct. That's that's accurate. So two wire and conventional are slightly different, but it's all about hitting that 15 concurrent per transformer or being limited to two per retrofit board. I always bring up that it's always more than one, better than one. And it's, as Chris brought up, each transformer, we get a whole nother, a whole nother go around. Yeah. Great questions. Nice. Definitely. Anybody else want to chime in while we have another two minutes and 30 seconds left? <laughs> but who's counting? Okay. Well, feel free to chime in here while we, while we wrap up. Dan, what do we have on the docket for next week? Next week, we're going to talk about a control point technology and how you can use that to help manage your system and uh, the components that it brings in. So flow, pressure, and master valve control and where that fits in. So it kind of sounds a little bit like a um, point of connection real different from a point of connection. Yep. So we'll be talking about perhaps some sub mains, automated uh, mm-hmm. isolation valves, uh, things like that. Right. We'll Perfect. look at it from simple perspectives and then to larger complex sites and how those how it fits into all of those. Okay. 
Fantastic. Any other closing notes, guys, before we wrap up episode number eight? <laughs> Negative. Thanks to Tracy for joining us as a yeah, guest wonderful. speaker today. We appreciate you. Have you on, uh, on this episode, Tracy. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. Appreciate you joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Bye.